welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Today, we feature audio from the Elite Business Advice Podcast with Chris Moore. Welcome to the Elite Business Advice Podcast. My name is Chris Moore. I'm the founder of Elite Business Advisors, and the goal of our podcast is to help you grow your business, but also educate you on a variety of topics that affect self-employed small business owners. Today's guest, we've got Alex Burkhart. Alex is the Director of Strategic Marketing for America's Central Port, and he's also the President of Never Industries, uh, where he focuses on missed opportunity consulting. So we're going to talk a little bit about the customer experience and customer journey uh, that everybody goes through in their business. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, fun question. Yeah, that, try uh, to keep it under yeah, 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah okay, all right, all right, all right. Uh, so like Chris said, you know, I'm the uh, Director of Strategic Marketing for America Central Port, and I'm also the president of my own uh, consultancy on the side. So basically um, what I specialize in is uh, um, – it's a little it's strategic intelligence with a marketing and business development focus yep. and uh we'll, we'll get into that a little <laughs> bit more later but just uh some other fun facts about me i actually started teaching yoga just uh, back in may i was going to bring that up if you did uh, so yeah that's no. super cool i'm doing a coffee and yoga at verona coffee in collinsville oh, on the 20th awesome. and uh starting to get more into events hoping to do one with the st louis zoo coming yep. 2022 you're on the board board there yeah. yeah so i'm on their uh young professional board there That's um cool. gotten to learn a lot about how the zoo operates a uh, ton of conservation very community-centric organization it's just a fun organization yeah. to be a part of you know it's funny anytime we meet for coffee or lunch or anything i'm always just fascinated by everything that you're involved in and what you do and you teach me so many things that i had no clue yeah. and so you're a great resource for me if i'm like yeah. alex i have no idea what this is can you give me some insight usually you know yeah we we you know we do a good job of reading <laughs> so many freaking books yes. you know like just so many yeah we <laughs> could just do a whole podcast talking about all the just books, books. We could we could just have a book club podcast. maybe we'll do that we'll just like we'll you know do 15 minute snippets <laughs> about each book people don't even have to read it right right Right. <laughs> so, um, so you once used the term misopportunity consulting. I know that's kind of what you do with Never Industries on the right. side. Um, and it, it's always caught my attention. Like whenever you first said that, like that was like an aha moment for me. Right. Um, cause I've never heard it put in that way. And so explain a little bit about what your take is on missed opportunity consulting. So the, uh, the phrase is because I've found no other phrase to call what, what it is I do. And it's not quite just business development. It's not just quite marketing or communications. Uh, so the best way I can put it is sometimes CEOs need, uh, they almost need a clone of themselves, you know, to go through the organization and tell me where am I missing out on opportunities? What am I not thinking about? I've been anybody that's ever looked at the same, you know, uh, something you've been working on for years or just right. even a few days, uh, it, you need a fresh set of eyes. So I'm that fresh set of eyes when it comes to somebody else's business. I like it. And what I'm looking for is two main categories. The first question is, are you after, do you have a growth mindset and is your goal really to grow the organization and achieve more business? Okay. Or is it more of a maintenance mindset and uh, the challenges that you're, you're finding the growth department, but you've achieved, you know, 10 million in sales. How do we keep 10 million in sales right. and maintain our current customers? 
Uh, and when I get into missed opportunities, that can be something as simple as, you know, a small tweak to a marketing department, uh, some language that you're going to use when you're talking to prospects to better resonate with those prospects. Or that could be, um, or the aspect of sales teams following up the process that they're going through on a regular basis, making that systematic through your organization. Or it could be um, the uh, something more on the internal communication side. It could okay. be uh, you know mid-level managers that aren't engaging their their uh, their direct reports enough, and you're starting to experience higher turnover, and that's leading to costs within your organization. And in today's world with talent, that's <laughs> uh, kind of a big challenge. So. Uh, and these, they could just be tiny little things. It could be not having eye contact okay. uh, when you're talking to each other. Uh, so when I say that. these, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. So what I call them as missed opportunities is you really need someone to come in there, experience your business, your organization, how it operates, uh, really understand your customers and their uh, businesses, and then uh, figure out um, how to go after again missed that's, opportunities. That's cool. So. I got two schools of thought. One, um, so missed opportunity consulting is really can be anything in your business, but it's also you're looking for very unique opportunities or very small tweaks and stuff. Right. Um, and I think that that's, that's a good point. And two, uh, and I think I've talked about this before on the show, but there's a book called Everybody Needs a Coach in Life. Yeah. And it's exactly what you're talking about, that you just need another set of eyes, mm -hmm. another perspective, yeah. somebody to come in and look at things and find weaknesses and better ways to do things, right? Right. Um, and so I love that you're able to do that for a lot of businesses. Yep. And I'd say the, so the, you've got the small tweaks, the other side of the coin, and this is where it gets into the more, more complex, more right. complicated stuff, stuff I've done for the port. Um, but when you, uh, what do I call this? It's pretty much new market analysis. Yeah. So uh, new markets that um, I look at the resources you have, the capability you have in-house, you know, what are the products you're selling uh, if you're a manufacturer and you've got uh, different trades backgrounds in-house, different engineers, um, what the economy looks like on a macro scale and basically what the needs are and pressing needs are related to what it is you do. So uh, I'm gonna give an example of what this kind of looks like uh, using the America Central Port. Yeah. So America Central Port basically uh, it's a 1,200-acre campus. Uh, we have two Mississippi River harbors, a ton of rail, uh, basically all the, like the Tonka toy trucks you paid with as a kid <laughs> only comes to life only out real, there. Yeah. Um, but our biggest thing is we're basically a commercial landlord out there, okay. and we lease a uh, 2 million square feet of warehouse. So when I came on with the port about three years ago, we had a 40% vacancy across our warehouse space. And the objective was we need to fill this. We need to generate this revenue because we don't collect taxes. And in order to achieve the economic development mission of the port, we need revenue to sustain, say, keeping the harbor alive and well. So how do you fill that space and how do you do it in a pretty, you know, you got to fill it pretty much by the end of the, like within the next couple of years and keep it filled. So, uh, Prior to me coming on, there was no real direction on who our audiences were. Gotcha. So uh, there's a f few different lenses here. So the first one is, okay, um, goal number one is increase revenue. So fill the space. So that means, you know, any uh, warehouse user that's just going to use it for storage space. That's, they, they pay the bills. It's fantastic. Great. 
The secondary mark is going after manufacturers. And the port did know they want to go after manufacturers because manufacturers typically bring more jobs to the table. But the challenge there is, is which manufacturers? What do you actually mean by that? If you look at NAICS codes, there's some odd 900 different NAICS codes that are in the manufacturing space. So um, what I did is I looked at... uh, just the space constraints of the building, the aspects of what we have, uh, a lot of it came down to just having physical space available and making sure everyone in the St. Louis region knew we had just additional space. So we get a lot of clients actually from Maryland Heights that um, are just running out of space and they need another another spot. spot. Gotcha. So um, there's that and it really was just boosting awareness for what I call uh, industrial-minded entrepreneurs. It's a typecast of uh, someone who has experience in you know, construction, trades, whatnot, uh, and are now running some type of industrial business. It's yeah. either manufacturing, construction, something of that nature. They come out, they see what we have, and they're just blown away. Yeah. Uh, so we went after that, and um, we're about to come up on 100% capacity. Dude, that's so awesome. So we've got uh, about 60,000 square feet of space left, and within those we've got quite a few prospects looking at both those spaces. That's cool. Um, that's really cool. But the third level, and this is where I really get into that missed opportunity, is the most ideal prospect to locate inside of our port is uh, chemical manufacturing. And where I it took about two years to really break this down and identify this. Um, But what I mean is that if the goal is enhance revenue as much as we possibly can, right? right? Uh, And do it the most cost effective method based on the resources we already have. We don't have a lot of money to spend uh, to reinvest back into the property. So this is what we got. Who can we target? Who does this make the most sense for? Oh, and by the way, we also want a lot of jobs. Um, so, you know, it's kind of different in real estate. Yeah. Uh, mostly, most of the time in real estate, the jobs, they don't really care about the jobs. They just want to lease and sell yeah. the space, right? Uh, so with us having that economic mission, it's a really brain buster of, okay, who fits this category? Um, and then add to that, what we really want is the warehouses are served by rail. So it's, we need somebody that relies on rail that's also a manufacturer to fit into that space. So what I looked at was all the raw materials that are transferred by rail, not having ever been in real estate or rail prior to this job, (laughs) okay? So broke down uh, how rail works and what is transported by rail in bulk supply. Uh, You also gotta look at our warehouses having a 14 foot uh, clear height at the eaves and 22 feet at the center and the column spacing on the interior uh, and the electric capacity of each building. Okay. So keep all that in mind. Go back to the raw materials that are either brought in or shipped out by rail, and then what manufacturers Makes do sense. that, and then which ones also uh, their actual equipment that they use in-house makes sense inside based on the dimensions of our space. Gotcha. So I took all of that and just started crossing things out, trying to eliminate as many industries as we could, finally got it down to a few and i was trying to figure out okay what's that uh competitive edge that's really going to drive us forward Mm -hmm. and with chemical what i realized is that your typical mid-sized chemical manufacturer so like you think about a Philip 66 is massive 
um, they can afford all the rail they want in the world. You come back to a mid-size, you know, $50 million operation. Rail costs $1.3 million a mile. Doesn't make sense. Anyway, they might have a facility that can only do, uh, they get a main line, and you have a spur, you have 10 spots. You can do maybe 20 cars of rail production a year gotcha. or, or a week. At our facility, because we have it all in one place, you can do about 100 a week. Nice. So, so figuring out that competitive yeah. side of it. I know that was lengthy. Probably yeah. took up a lot of our time. Yeah. But, um, no, it's good. It, it kind of gives it's, it. It's that concept yeah. of uh, that's missed opportunity consulting. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. It kind of gives an idea of, you know, obviously that's on a large scale and, right. you know, a lot of details to think through. I know you put a lot yeah. of research into that. Yeah. Um, I've always joked, instead of ever anything researched, I'm calling you because you you know how to get access to anything you could possibly need. Yep. Um, I go to Google and I'm like, I don't know where to start with this. So um, that's why I'm glad to have you as a friend. But yeah. uh, <laughs> so I want to kind of shift in the conversation to business owners, right? Small mm-hmm. business owners yeah. in a lot of different ways um, and kind of talk through like, you know, the customer experience, the customer journey, um, you know, so what does analyzing your customer experience really do for you as a business owner? Like why should you sit down and think, of how that process goes from the customer's point of view. Yeah, uh, so just kind of real quick, uh, define customer experience and customer journey. Uh, customer experience is basically uh, anything and everything within like how your customer is experiencing right. the journey that they have from initial awareness and discovery of your product or service all the way through to the close of that sale and then after the close of that sale, keeping that customer, getting them to either come back and spend more money, organic growth, or uh, the most ideal is that they uh, spend more money with you and then they go and tell all their friends as well. So That's it's that, that entire journey is your customer journey. The experience is every other aspect within that. So you could think about the, uh, to me, one of the most popular ones is going to be your digital experience, uh, having a proper website put together, uh, making sure your SEO is up to date, making sure it's easy to navigate and that there's enough, uh, you're not overloading your customers with information on each page. Uh, It's just, it's easy enough to skim through and really get an idea and build trust that these are the people I want to work with, but that there's also enough either information on the site for them to learn more um, if they'd like to or reach out and learn more. Yep. Uh, That's good. So I'd say, you know, big mistake most, uh, I've seen this uh, made time and time again, is we forget to put uh, easy contact information on yep. there. Like if you actually have, you're, you're afraid because you don't want uh, to get spammed. Right. But you forget about oh, when actual prospects reach out, you should probably have a new biz at yep. your website.com somewhere on Yep. Your website. No, I like that. Well, and it's funny because right before we started recording this, we were talking about the difference between customer experience and customer journey, right? right? Um, and you kind of, when you made that point, that like they're kind of two different things. I was just using them interchangeably, meaning journey, right? right. Um, but it's really a good thing to think through as a business owner is like, what is the experience our customers are getting? And then you also need to think through the journey from like you said, discovery till the end of it and beyond of where are the gaps at, right? Yeah. And that's what we started talking about missed opportunities is where are we dropping the ball at, mm-hmm. right? Okay, customer submits their information on our website, then what? Right. Right. Okay, then we go give them, you know, I'll use a painting, you know, example here just from my background, like, okay, then we go give them the estimate. Well, then what? Do you have a follow-up process? Mm-hmm. Do you have a schedule? Like, you know, and you got to think through every step of that journey. 
Uh, but then you hit it from the experience side of it too of, well, what's your branding like? What is your website like? What yeah. is dealing with you like, right? You, you email them a proposal or an estimate. What is the process like? How is the ease of navigating that, right? right. Um, and so there, you can really go down the rabbit hole in any area in your journey with the with what the experience is. So I think it's good to kind of highlight the differences between those. So mm. um, what are three common mistakes you see business owners make when it comes to their processes and their journey? So I'm going to use I, journey I, for the rest of this. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel rude in limiting it to three because I'm sure you're like me and you see 17 you could talk about. But right. And I had to reference my notes because yeah, you know, no, that's good. That's why I, I, got, I, got, I got some some written down here. Uh, so I think that first one is, um, you know, you kick off your marketing without first understanding your who your target market is. Yes. And the value proposition that your products or services add to your target audience. Yep. And I say that because uh, I've experienced that with multiple clients of we you know we want to jump in right away you think you don't want to lose out on the opportunity of time and oh i need to market these guys right away uh but you're marketing yourself without knowing who to actually go after especially with small businesses when you're working with significantly lower budgets if you even have a budget at all um that's i highly advise you don't do that (laughs) right (laughs) because the it's uh you can make your you can make the dollars you do have and the time that you're going to spend go so much farther when you know exactly who you want to reach out to i mean give you an example like uh, i'm going to keep coming back to the port because that's what's fresh for me that's what i do right now but um there are plenty of prospects that would never choose our warehousing because of the constraints of the ceiling height and the column spacing and in the past we would go after those guys and not knowing, because uh, no one had really ever gone the length to understand, oh, their equipment is 24 feet high and we have 22 foot high ceilings. So it's a, uh, oh, wow. Like, yeah, they probably would have loved the whole port facility, but then realized That's the warehousing right. wasn't actually right for them. Right. Um, so it's just... Uh, that is an example. I'll leave well, with that. No, that's a good one. One, I think it goes back to just being intentional. We've talked about that before on the show, right. of being intentional and having a plan, you yeah. know. And I feel like a lot of people do take the approach of, uh, I'm just going to throw mud at the wall and see what sticks. Right. right? Yeah. I'm just going to throw Facebook ads at there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do yeah. this. And like, and I'm like, okay, like, let's get a little more intentional about this. Yeah. Like, let's get more intentional with your social media posts. Let's like have a plan together here, Right. right? Um, because I like what you said, like if you, you know, most small businesses have limited time and limited money, right, mm. to spend on stuff. So let's make, let's get the most out of that that right. you can. So that's a good point. I'd say, uh, so it was one. Two is uh, kind of going to your social media. Uh, they set goals that are not based on actual sales goals. Yeah. Um, and this is as it relates to business development uh, in any other category, similar thing. You right. know, they're, they're doing something without an actual goal attached to whatever they're doing. Uh, and I always try and look at return on investment, both your money and your time spent in anything that you're doing. Yep. So um, social media is the easy one to pick on, uh, but it's the, you know, hey, can you run our social media accounts? And it's, yeah, well, I can, but, well, I can't. Yeah. I, I will yeah, not. You won't, yeah. Uh, but um, We might, depending on it's, the situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a question of, well, based on your budget, based on your goals, is that really the best avenue for you? And I'm not against social media. I'm not against, you know, 
there's definitely a place for targeted yeah. advertising if you have the budget and the returns high enough. Right. Um, but uh, especially if you're in the B2B space, there are so many other things that you should be doing and have done already before we even get to talking about social media. Yeah. And I feel like that's the jump of we got to be in social media when you haven't figured out just the type back the customer journey and that experience um having having enough marketing collateral on hand so that when you do have engaged prospects you can engage back and get them all the way to that close yeah. sometimes we don't have sales sheets available because we're too busy running a social media account right and you don't want to be stuck where you've got three people calling on you and now you've got to put together custom flyers for each one of them right. you want to be able to have all that ready to go so if you're at that stage yeah when we talk social media yeah no that's a good point well i think social media is really good for a lot of b2c markets you know business to consumers so homeowners you know service businesses you know selling product like that type of stuff uh, but yeah you're right it's a whole different ball game especially the platforms you can utilize and stuff when it's in a, a b2b setting um and I, I think another you know thing to kind of piggyback on that is any marketing you have you should make it easy and very obvious what people can do to take the next step or how to do business with you. Right. right? Yeah. You kind of said that like on the website, like you need to have a thing of how they can get a hold of you or, right. hey, schedule an estimate here or, you know, whatever right. it is for your business. Um, and it's no different on flyers. It's no different on social media. If you're running ads on social media, it's not, it shouldn't be just about brand awareness. Yeah. It should be call now here's a link to our website. Here's where you go to sign up for this. Here's where you can learn more information. Here's right. a PDF you can download, like whatever it is, you got to let them know, you know, how to do business with you and you got to make it easy for them. Right. Because guess what? If there's like five seconds that I can't figure out how to do whatever, I'm, most people aren't going to take time and go like, well, let me go check out their website and see if there's, or let me try to call them or let me go Google them. Like mm -hmm. people are like, man, okay. On to the next one, you know? So that, goes really well into my third one perfect because i, I like, had no I idea like what your I third point is up. yeah uh, believe it or we, not we actually, just we just know each other so we well, do i think know. that's really what it is <laughs> yeah. but uh no that third one is uh you make assumptions about um i guess you forget that you have to remain relevant uh constantly and that you have to refresh and uh, uh the point that you made about um basically losing interest yeah so my concept here is when you make assumptions about uh, an audience, you oh, why 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 would we reach out to them? Uh, they already they met us five years ago, right. and they already know we exist. And I was like, what was their experience five years ago? Heck, has your business changed in five years? Right. Have you added new services? Have you added new products? Have you expanded? Have you, you know, was the one person that they dealt with at that time? Have they moved on? And because they had a bad experience then, now you're a totally different company. Right. Um, so it's you know, especially in that, uh, I think the B2B space more than anything, nice. interactions you may have had five years ago of, uh, I, I see so much missed opportunity there of lost prospects of, they were interested, they did like you, they just weren't ready at the time. Right. Did you stop? Did you like say, you know what, we're not going to waste our time with those guys anymore? And you got to nurture them along. Maybe now is like a good time to reach back out and say, hey, uh, just want to check in again. We met like a decade ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's a good point, a good though, because I see a lot of, you know, again, we work with a lot of contractors in business. And, you know, we, we've had some different guests on here talking about marketing and how to keep in touch with people and, you know, do different campaigns. And um, 
you know, and I always say, I'm like, people remember you, but they, but then they forget over time. Right. right. Like once you hit that six month mark, like you're not fresh on their head anymore. But they will remember the bad experience. Oh, they will. They'll forget you. Yeah. But they'll remember. You that don't was call horrible. that person. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and I always say this and I'm like, how many times have you heard a customer like, oh, hey, who did you guys pool? And they're like, oh, uh, and they got to like go try to find like, you know, right. a copy of the invoice or something. Right. Or like, yeah. so if you don't believe that that's true, when you're talking to people, like find something they did six to 12 months ago and ask them who did it yeah. and see how quickly they can remember. Right? right. So I think there is a lot of value in keeping in touch with people and right. being front and center with them and knowing, you know, those different types of things on, on how to effectively keep in touch or, you know, take a break and reach back out and, right. You know, especially I love what you just said about adding services. You know, we've got a client we work for um, that they're, you know, they're next year company and they're doing Christmas lights this year. Um, by the time this airs, it's probably too close to Christmas. But uh, it's, uh, you know, they need to be reaching back out to their customers like, hey, make right. sure, you know, that you're aware we're doing this. Right. And even, uh, I mean, besides like getting them to engage back to buy from you. Uh, if it's not to buy from you, like going back to your making it easy for them to engage next. Yeah. If it's not um, to buy from you, then it's to pass your stuff on to somebody else. Exactly. There is significant value, call it social currency, and it's the idea that you're providing something value for somebody else to share. So this obviously gets back into social media sharing right. and content creation, but the same goes for everything across your entire customer journey, every type of material you make. If I come across... Uh, a quality contractor and I don't need that contractor, I'm still going to pass that information on the next time somebody asks for yep. it because it is incredibly difficult to find great quality contractors. <laughs> it so, is. I'm working to change that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there is, you, you have that aspect as yep. well. So even if they're not a customer, there's still somebody that's technically a brand ambassador right. for your product. No, that's good. I like that term, brand ambassador. Um, so what should business owners be thinking through, you know, when it comes to assessing their customer experience, you know, their customer journey, um, you know, and just thinking through that? You know, I always say that, that you should do an A to Z review, as you kind of said, from initial mm -hmm. discovery till end of the process and even beyond that. Um, but like, what should they really be thinking through when it comes to those things? Uh, I think the first one is there's there's no one size fits all. Yeah. There are guidelines that everyone can follow. Uh, but uh, first, you know, let's get rid of all the fad stuff. You know, if it worked for somebody else, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. That's a good call. Uh, secondary one is let's really start with um, the, uh, so back to the one size fits all. You know, a restaurant's going to be different from a hospital from, again, B2B versus B2C. Yep. And for anybody that knows, uh, business to business versus business to consumers. Right. Um, so the a hospital, for example, might be more interested in low-cost uh, improvements to from paint to the, uh, if you've seen the light panels they use, yeah. the clouds, things like that, just to make it a little bit more of an enjoyable experience. Yep. Hard to do when you're in a hospital. Yeah. Hospital. Yeah. Um, I guess unless you're having a baby, maybe. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, restaurants, same type of thing. You know, the uh, uh, restaurants are even, I think, of a uh, corporate office where the experience is uh, you, you design it all the way from that first lobby, like from the parking yep. lot into the lobby. What's your experience in the lobby? Reception all the way to the main conference room where you're going to meet and hopefully close that deal with that right. client. Um, everything along that in the physical environment, even from 
um, the hospitality of your entire staff. I know at the port, uh, it's pretty much ingrained in everyone. We offer beverages and yep. snacks basically upon entry, coffee, water. Uh, is there anything I can get for you? Uh, just having that touch and making that, that known um, is definitely part of that experience as yep. everybody comes in. It makes them feel like they're being taken care of. That's good. Um, so that that's kind of on the physical side. On the digital side, uh, going back, uh, website, just basic SEO. Uh, again, I'm thinking small businesses, low right. budgets. Uh, I love using Wix. Pretty sure yep. that's what you use. Yep. That's what we use for all the um, You know, they've got pretty good guidelines on um, what you can do to update and just yep. be at that optimal level uh, to be found online. And then um, past that, really sit down, take some time, and actually try to map the whole journey yeah. of different That's audience good. types. So when I say different audience types, some good ones to start with might be uh, a cust- like just a brand new customer discovering, yeah. like uh, figuring who you are all the way to the close of that initial sale. Another one might be a current customer that you're trying to grow and what does that journey look like. And then a third one might be uh, brand ambassador journeys of either current customers or people that know who you are and how they're sharing your services. That's good. Well, and I think one thing it's important too to think through, I feel like we've said that about a hundred times this episode already, but <laughs> um, it's all important yeah. stuff. You should think through it. Um, find time to, but you know, when you talk about the customer experience, I want to hit on that piece of it for a second, right? We kind of split this up into customer experience, customer journey, which is like the processes. Right. Um, the customer experience, not only do you want to make sure that you know, you're representing yourself in a good manner mm-hmm. and that you're, you know, professional and people feel like, oh, this is a good company. Like I can trust them. Right. Again, I always right. go back to contractor examples. Uh, but the the perceived value in that customer experience from discovery until you provide them a price will have an impact on how much you can charge. Yeah. Same thing with products. Same thing if with a restaurant. Right. Mm-hmm. You think about an Olive Garden. Yeah. Like everything in their parking lot kind of has that like nice, you know, I'm, some people may make fun of me for saying this, but like the upscale Italian place, right? right? Like we live in St. Louis. There's a thing called the Hill here with the best Italian food around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well aware. Um, <laughs> sorry, Olive Garden. I'll take the Hill quality every day. But it's different than Fazoli's, right? right. They both serve fettuccine. Yeah. But one of them you're willing to pay more for because of that experience you feel when you pull in their parking lot. Right. Right. They don't have a drive through at Olive Garden. Um, but I, I'm going to probably get sued from one of these two companies at this point, but, no, no, no. um, it's free speech. it is exactly right. Um, uh, but it's just kind of an example, right? Like think of that customer experience. And I think that all relates into pricing, you know, mm-hmm. and I use that with the, with a lot of our contractors we work with. I'm like, listen, the way that you brand yourself, present yourself, if you show up in a, you know, if for an estimate and you're in like a polo and mm-hmm. like, you know, dress shoes and jeans, I said, people are already perceiving more value in working with you over somebody that shows up like in a hoodie and, right. you know, paint clothes and just covered and like, you know, you've been on the job site all day. Now I right. understand that's going to happen. Like, yeah. it's okay. I'm not saying you're wrong if you do that, mm-hmm. but people like it's that perceived value, right? you know, and when your proposals are nice and professional, they're easy to access and read. And, you know, like yeah. all those little things add into what you can charge for people. And so I think that's something that I see a lot of people really get tripped up on is they're trying to charge high dollar value because they know that their work is worth it, but the rest of their business and the customer experience is not right. there. Right. Yeah. And there's a disconnect in that, a right. missed opportunity, some people might say. Oh, so. yeah. 
Ooh, I'm ashamed of that oh, one. That was oh. pretty bad. Um, so real quick here, we got about five or ten minutes left. But um, if I'm a business owner, you know where where do I start with this? Right? Like, do you recommend people start from step one when people discover you and how they're discovering you? Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the basic <laughs> thing. Start there and then work. I mean, it's end. it's your first impression. So. Yeah. Um, Yes. Because nothing else really matters. That's why I wanted to bring that question up. In my opinion, if people don't have a good first impression, yeah, it doesn't matter how good you are at following up after a proposal. Correct. Right? Because they're probably not even going to call you for a proposal. Uh, and a lot of times your first impression can save you from, you know, mess ups on like yep. your fifth and sixth impressions. You yep. know, like. No, that's a good point. Uh, so if, uh, in fr- I, uh, I think about first impression just in person, the first handshake, eye contact. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot of networking face-to-face, so uh, all that outreach, even on email etiquette, um, not sending massively long emails. Right. Uh, there's a whole science and art to sending a good email. Yep. And, um, and most make, people always forget to attach the file. When right, 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 right. Um, just uh, all sorts of things. But, yeah, really focusing on the first impression, and then after that going back and just mapping it out from there yeah. and uh, looking for – Kind of like um, almost like pivotal moments yeah. of these. This is a pretty big step. Maybe these ones in between. Okay, we can kind of glaze over this, but um, you know, when we present them the price, that's probably a pivotal pivotal moment. Yeah. Let's make sure everything about this leading up to it is smooth pretty and rehearsed. Right. And, yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, no, and that's uh, the reason I always like to ask that is I always like people to be like, okay. I've listened to what Chris and Alex have said. Hopefully people are still listening. And, Mm -hmm. uh, like, where do I start with this, right? Right. Um, And so that's what I want to kind of give them a point. Like, here's the first place you should start looking through these things with. Um, You know, and, again, I I think it's good to review this every six months to a year in your business, right? Because, like you said, where you're at now in business is different than where you were five years ago. Right. Probably even six months ago, right? Um, so it's important to always kind of go through and just keep identifying those weaknesses. And, and, and don't, make... don't be afraid to ask your current customers. Absolutely. So ask them what, what you did right, what you did wrong. Yeah, get feedback. <laughs> yeah. I always call it market research. Like when I've got an idea yeah. of like, you know, something that we're going to offer, we've, you know, obviously started offering bookkeeping and payroll services for our clients, mm. um, partnered up with Crystal, and that's going fantastic. I'm super excited about all that. But like, right. Before I even like had that conversation with her, like I asked all of our current clients, like, "Hey, if we started offering this, would that like make sense and make your life easier?" And everybody was like, "Yes." Right. Like, you know, we're already doing this and this with you guys and the financial stuff. Like, and like, well, to me, it made sense, but I wanted to make sure it made sense to you guys too, right? right. So, no, I think that's a great thing to get that feedback from people and see, you know, how you can improve. But also, when you've got ideas, hey, would it, you know, would you be okay if like we did this on a digital copy? Like, right. you know, a lot of contractors still do paper bids that's fine mm-hmm. but if you're really curious like if you're afraid to jump in the digital side of it ask people right you know so yeah. um, I think there's definitely a lot of things that you can kind of think through and this should be an evolving list of things to work on in your business yep. take it step by step though start with one mm-hmm. and then go to the next one right. and just work your way down yep. um, so is there anything else you want to add about you know kind of your experience with the port you know I know we talked earlier a little bit more on how you went from you know, having a, a what a forty percent vacancy rate, um, you know, to almost being completely full. Right. Um, is there anything else you want to add with that? Because I think that you know everything we've talked about with this is what you did to do that. Um, is there any other thoughts you? 
You well, it wasn't just me. It's definitely Frank Papa, our sales manager, doing yeah. a lot of that heavy lifting. Um, it's a team effort there. But uh, way to save your job on that. That was good. Oh, thank Teamwork. You. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> I always got to give credit. He, no, he's, he's, he's done. He's done some phenomenal work. For I know court. you always talk about having a good team there. So yeah. Um, let's see other stuff I can talk about. Um, just from my experience with the port has been a eye-opening experience of just what's out there from uh, economic development programs yeah. that exist. Uh, I always talk about I find it fascinating. I get I really nerd out about resources that you don't have yet, but could have because of who your networks are or um, what exists around you. So. Uh, for example, uh, talked to SIUE and went through their pretty much the uh, universities have research labs typically, right. and they don't typically look for private like they don't actively look for private uh, companies, but they're open to it. Gotcha. So a lot of times they'll have these big contracts with the USDA, and it takes care of all the research needs. But they do have it set up where they will work with private businesses. So That's like cool. our we had an animal feed manufacturer. <laughs> who did a project with U of I and SIUE to develop a higher dense protein cattle feed, then gave the IP back to the cattle feed manufacturer. Yeah. So all the research was done by the university, like practically free. <laughs> right. And then gifted back, because it's, it's an economic development center program, yeah. allows the students to do it. They get the rep for, hey, we created this, yeah. entered it into the market, makes the supply chain better, fantastic. but those type of resources exist so i would just tell people to have an open mind to uh your resources aren't just what you have on you know in-house yeah that's uh, good be a little creative about it that's good um if there's been one thing i've learned by you working at the port it's that exact same thing there's a yeah. whole nother world out there that exists i didn't even know existed right and it's been pretty fun to hear some of the feedback and research yeah. you've done um well, Alex, I appreciate you taking time to come record this and kind of think through the customer experience, the customer journey, letting mm -hmm. our listeners and myself know about the difference between the two terms. Yeah. Um, that was, <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned today, it's that. But uh, is there one final piece of advice you'd like to leave listeners with um, as it pertains to this whole missed opportunity thing, customer journey, experience, all that good stuff? See, I had that question written down. I interpreted it differently. And my one piece of advice was going to be to read Jeb Blunt's fanatical prospecting oh, it's so good it's so <laughs> like if good. i had one piece of advice to just listen to that honestly it's not i mean it's kind of related to what i do but uh just read or listen to that book maybe a few hundred times and yeah really let it sink in nope i love it that's a good book yeah that was one of them you shared with me and i'm glad i read it and yep. uh now we could talk again we'll do a whole nother episode about books so. okay <laughs> um well alex how can awesome. people get a hold of you if they have questions about anything uh yeah i'd say the easiest way would probably be to go to my personal website at neverindustries.com perfect uh that's n-e-v-e-r industries um basically name my company after the idea to never give up i love so, that yeah i love that any entrepreneur i think really uh resonates with yep you've all had those yep. hard and times and you just really got to hold on sometimes. I love it. I love it. I'll put that in the show notes too in the description of the podcast. So, awesome. Um, well, thanks again for being here. I really appreciate the conversation and uh, I look forward to doing another one with you sometime. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Paint Ed Podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.